friends, and welcome to Screen Vomit, the only movie podcast for normal people. I'm, of course, your host, Kayla. Here with me is my twin, Kali J. Hey, quack, quack, babies. All right, so today with us, we have two guests. Only our second time in history having two guests, so this should be a wild ride. Our guests today are a filmmaking team. They're buds. They make up a creative collective known as Emulsion Lab, and they've done lots of stuff, including music videos, you know, I love to rock, for bands like Pet Symmetry and Laura Jane Grace, among others. They have also just completed their first feature film, which we'll talk about, and that would be Sean Kelly and Remzi Atassi. Hey, welcome. What's up, guys? Hey. Thanks for having us. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, so so I've known Sean for several years. Yes. We met back in the day, of course. Anyone I've known for several years is a rocker. (laughs) 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 So I met Sean when he was playing in the band Merit Badge. Ah, yes. The Merit Badge days. What was that, six or so years ago? It's kind of insane to think that it's been that long, but I think you might be right, actually. That's really insane. (laughs) Yeah. Well, me and Kali were just talking before recording about... Kali, tell them what you told me. What did I tell you? Wait. About 1970. Oh, you know the fucking 1970s were 50 years ago. (laughs) It is insane. (laughs) Not so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and also like relatively speaking you know 50 years now but like well i don't know i'm i think i'm uh 31 that's right 31 mm-hmm. and so it was only it was less than 20 years back then when i was born yeah <laughs> Whoa. that's the way i think about it i'm like it's 50 years from now so what does that mean in terms of my time here <laughs> it's getting really very real <laughs> Okay, so Sean told me about y'all's meet-cute recently. (laughs) Sean, tell the story for the pod about how y'all two met. Oh, yeah, okay. Maybe actually, Rems, you should give your intro first, because yours goes further back than mine. Okay. I can keep it brief. I need from birth. From birth. Okay. I'm all the way back. No, so I mean, so I'm in, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a filmmaker. I've been Mm -hmm. doing it for a while, one way or another, but I ended up in Chicago about 15 years ago, a little less, doing video stuff. I went to school here, college at Loyola. Mm-hmm. So I, so I, when I got out, I, I kind of uh, was into film, but for one reason or another, I kind of ended up here. And I, I didn't study it in college, but I kind of started in the business. So I did sort of advertising and stuff like that, just kind of work on my own. And um, I met Sean doing that. He was working in a recording studio, actually, which makes sense. And I think mm-hmm. that might have been back around when he was playing in that group. I definitely was, yeah. Because I saw him a couple times, I remember. But yeah, so he was in a recording studio and I was doing like a music video actually with this person who was a friend of mine. And so, yeah, I don't know what it was. I think we were just like talking and Sean seemed like he was really interested in like filmmaking, even though he was working at this studio. And, you know, we were just, we kind of hit it off. And so I had had some work that was like coming up and, you know, at that point my business was kind of growing a bit. And so I was kind of trying to meet some new people to sort of work with and, I was just like, hey, if you want to come and help me out on this thing for, I don't know, a couple days. And so he was down. And then uh, that was like the poison pill. You get into the the business. Um, So we just worked together for a long time, right? And then uh, we started doing Emulsion Lab like five years ago or something. We had gotten working closer through just work stuff and sort of collaborating in that way. And I, you know, we were both really interested in trying to focus on more creative type 
projects, which is, you know, a lot different than advertising. Yeah. <laughs> There's some crossover, but it's a lot different. Yeah. So that's, that's as far as I'll, I'll take it. So I guess I, did I, did I hit the. No, you, yeah, you nailed it. I mean, I remember when we met, I mean, maybe this is just the way that I remember it, but I remember you had like this, like a C100 at the time and I didn't really, I knew just enough about camera speed, like, oh, what, <laughs> like what shutter speed were you shooting at and stuff? And I think like, I don't know. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'd just been like super hobbyist photographer sort of at that point, like was just doing music stuff mostly, but yeah, no, it's been really cool. Like we've done like a ton of work over the years and it's just like continued to like blossom into this, like crazy fun creative partnership that has yep. like been great for years but the past couple of years in my opinion is like truly apex because we've just finished this humongous project like definitely the biggest project that either of us have like ever worked on yeah so. hell yeah yeah and so that's your movie bad animal yeah yes correct yes yeah. yep Amazing. okay so tell us about the movie yeah sure so Sean and I are both executive producers, mm-hmm. kind of produced the film. I wrote and directed it, and Sean photographed it. He's the director of photography. It's a love story set in the Chicago music scene, and it comes out of a lot of, I think, just our experiences, like working with so many artists and in this incredible artistic community in Chicago that encompasses film and music and just art. And um, it really, that kind of community was is like sort of where we've been focused on with the Mulgen Lab and we've made like so many friends and have met so many amazing artists and people who you get to see them grow. And so that's what it's about. And it's also kind of the world that we have come out of. Michael DeVille, who is um, a hip hop artist, poet, just a, a really awesome person, mm-hmm. musician. So he plays Sembre, who's like a hip-hop artist in, in the film, and then uh, Rivka Reyes. They uh, play Marlene, who is the, kind of the love interest, but also they sort of collaborate and do music together. And it sort of tracks their relationship over like four or five years, sort of the, the ups and downs and highlights Chicago, highlights the music scene. And yeah, I don't know. What do you say, Sean? You got anything? Yeah, no, I mean, that that kind of nails it. And it's, I mean, their like specific collaboration is mostly like artist and manager type thing. And there's like a lot of back and forth on just Marlene's character, kind of like wanting to express themselves like a little bit more, but being held back by the constraints of the situation and just like the turmoil that kind of comes with that. It feels like a kind of a portrait of this kind of music world in Chicago. And it's about a lot, you know, it's about that kind of world but it is sort of their their interpersonal drama is what drives it sort of price of success like what it takes to be you know successful or whatever you know this like kind of small celebrity i mean it's set in this diy scene in chicago where you know it's not about i think for all these artists it's not about like hitting it big it's really about the artistry of it but also Mm -hmm. you know you reach a point in life where the business of it or success and things like that come and it sort of makes you recalibrate and reevaluate your decisions so that's kind of what it's about, that transition in life. Yeah, and yeah. it's a feature film, and it is now done, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. Ramsey, what's your connection to the music scene? Like, were you ever a musician, or were you just into it, or how did you get involved with the Chicago music scene? Yeah. Well, I am a lifelong musician. Oh, cool. Like, I always just have like been extremely passionate about music. And my brother, I mean, I when I moved to Chicago, we did a lot of music stuff together. Um, I mean, what I played mostly was like jazz 
yeah, I mean, so I love just like playing that. And I kind of got, I got out of it at a certain point, just like as I became really focused on filmmaking professionally. And mm-hmm. I used to play, you know, I used to play a lot of guitar and stuff like that, but, 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 uh, it was really good. Did you have bands? You got stuff? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, I have bands, but it's like, it's from, I mean, it's from really <laughs> long ago. Like by the time, I think I stopped doing this when I was like 22 or 23. Are you shy to drop the names? <laughs> <laughs> nothing that you would hear, like seriously, nothing you would have heard of. I mean, I played in a group called, uh, AKA the I when I was when I was here that was when I was in college and that okay. was fun and there were some good people my brother is like a super 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 serious guitar player mm-hmm. um he plays or he played I should say uh in the curls oh okay I've played a show with the curls oh oh nice there you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So he was in the curls. He also does music for the movie, right? Right. Yes, Rami, who is also the composer of all the mm-hmm. music, or at least of all the sort of musical scores. Exactly. And and yeah. So all of the composition in the film, and then doing Emulsion Lab, he was always kind of in the background. He's not really, I guess, he's not on the website. I mean, I guess none of us are, but he's not. You know, it's not his <laughs> thing in that way. But like, he's been there from the very beginning and mm-hmm. helping to kind of connect us with people and opening doors and introducing us to people because he's just like been a huge part of the music scene for a long time so yeah i mean doing emulsion lab is is the key connection i think we just met so many people Mm -hmm. and beyond that like you really just people's sort of stories and the incredible stuff that people do i mean i i just think it's amazing being an artist in chicago i guess i somewhat remotely consider myself among them but in a way like you know i still do so many other things but like people who are truly dedicated in the artistry of it are there's amazing stuff here and people don't sure. know about it. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, a lot of like, honestly, like a ton of the effort that we put into like the pre-production on it was basically just like commissioning all these like Chicago artists. Like you honestly, like a lot of people that we're really just like friends with to write. People, some people we just and just people, even, liked, people yeah. who we just respect. Yeah. I guess yeah. we didn't really know mm-hmm. Pixel Group before then. That was sort of like, we just like. So them. you didn't pick any bad people. No. <laughs> no stinkers. <laughs> we went after the people that we really wanted to work with and most of them were down sick yeah hell yeah so we were really lucky in that way and some of them are are awesome i mean it's yeah pixel grip did music chris crack the palmer squares malky my brother did a bunch of stuff and then pet symmetry has a track in it foveley um so was a big part of your intention it sounds like with the movie was to help kind of promote some of those artists that the world maybe doesn't know about i think that is true i Mm -hmm. think on the other hand of it to be honest, these artists, even just, I mean, we've been doing this project for three years. And so it's like from where we started to where we are now. I mean, these artists, I mean, they'll elevate the profile of the movie because they're all amazing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it's it's symbiotic in that way because like they they really do amazing work. They're all, I mean, really, they're all on the verge or breaking out in their own ways. Like they're all really amazing mm-hmm. artists. Totally. Oh, yeah. What type of movies do y'all typically like? personally to watch so i guess i like all sorts of stuff but i guess my default is to kind of be in like more of a like horror it's like psychological thriller type like zone that's like kind of where i sort of like get into most of the time i mean there's i obviously like a lot of movies i was stoked on got a video drum tattoo i I do have a video drum tattoo yes oh yeah Um, (laughs) so that gives you an idea um and then i don't know yeah i mean i just i like i like crime drama type stuff i like uh i love old samurai movies actually 
one of the last yeah. uh, one of the last uh, movie theater experiences I remember having prior to COVID was me and Ramsey going to see what was it Seven Samurai. It was it started midnight. at midnight. Yeah. I fell asleep at the very end. I was so tired. Four hours. It's insane. It's completely insane. It was like a Wednesday or something. Like oh, that's so funny. It was just the middle of the week. We went at a midnight showing. It was dope though. But yeah, that's kind of where I sort of sit and kind of pull a lot of stuff from i feel like um yeah 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 i definitely uh like a lot of stuff but like i think my favorite stuff like i i mean i love i love art house that's just like my favorite stuff so my favorite filmmakers are like yeah like bergman and tarkovsky kurosawa hell yeah that's like the stuff i just like love good shit Uh, yeah the good (laughs) shit like 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 new like the new wave stuff I love like the French New Wave and all that, um, mm-hmm. all all of it pretty much. So I, I that's like my favorite, favorite, favorite kind of stuff. But it's you know you got to be in the right place to watch it. And I definitely don't mean to make it seem like I'm. I mean I, I like all kinds of stuff, and I'm definitely keep it pretty mainstream too. But that's like my that's like the kind of filmmaking that really inspires me. Sure. Hell yeah. Okay, so we should get into the movie we did today. Hell yeah. Yes. Which is the 2016 film The Handmaiden, which I believe Remzi had the biggest hand in picking. <laughs> I guess I gave a list. I gave a list. So tell us, without spilling too many beans, why you chose this one. I selected it because, for one, I knew that it would be up totally. Sean's alley. Totally. Okay. I knew it was something we could both get behind. <laughs> okay. Um, he knows me too well. And uh, and also, I mean, I realized once I started watching it that I had actually seen. I saw yeah, it in the theaters, but I forgot. Same, actually, too. We'd both like completely forgotten that we'd seen it. But like... I saw it in the theater, <laughs> and once I started, I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh shit! This we picked this one. This movie's crazy." <laughs> it is amazing, though. It's such a good. It's such a good movie. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a yeah. fucking ride. Yeah, I'm really glad that y'all picked this. However, is it strange for me to think about talking about one of the horniest lesbian movies I've ever seen with three straight men? Actually, uh, here's the thing I couldn't stop thinking about when I was watching it was in the time when I watched it, which was like five or six years ago. Uh-huh. It never like, you know, obviously it's it, whatever. I mean, you even look at the description of it. and It's an erotic thriller. Right. And so when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, those are really intense sex scenes but honestly thinking about it now watching it you're just like wow it is just this one and it's written and produced and directed by this one dude you know um park chan wook is that right mm-hmm. the guy who did old boy and he's he's a madman but at the same time like it's it's pretty damn weird that he did that and it won the palm door and it's kind of <laughs> like that was the conversation yeah. but it is pretty weird that it's this like crazy you know very graphic sexual relationship and it's just directed by this dude who wrote it and it's just his own kind of i mean it's based on a book i think but yeah. you know very much his fantasy and also the other movie that i think at one palm door which was blue is the warmest color which is a movie that I, I i mean i like it but it's the same thing you're like that aspect of it is pretty weird <laughs> yeah. well i think he did some good stuff with it and well i'll hold on to that until we get actually into the story yeah, yeah. of it and, and yeah, we'll talk about that. So yeah, it is, as you said, directed, co-wrote, and produced by Park Chan-wook, who is known for probably old boy more than anything else. Kali, tell us the critic scores. We got Rotten Tomatoes with a 95%. Wow, not bad. Uh-huh. Uh, Metacricket, I don't know who chose Metacricket, 84%. <laughs> and Google users are a wild cards, 90%. Okay. Hell okay. yeah. 
Wow, that's high. So outstanding critic scores on this one, I would say. I'm worth it. One of the highest we've had in a while. All right, so normally we watch the trailer before we get into discussion, but this movie is not in English, so that will do nobody any good on a (laughs) podcast. So I'm going to have somebody read a plot summary. Who wants to read? Sean. Ooh, a plot summary. All right, the uh, the plot summary. With help from an orphan pickpocket, a Korean con man devises an elaborate plot to seduce and bilk a Japanese woman out of her inheritance. Beautiful. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think this movie is also one that we have to spoiler alert. It's going to be hard not to. <laughs> well, we always say everything that happens in the movie, So, but I don't think always knowing what happens in a movie will spoil a viewing experience. Sure. But I think this one has so many twists and shit. Right, it's kind yeah. of a yeah, thriller. That like, sort of. if you know what happens, it will spoil a viewing experience. Mm. So yeah. I just want a spoiler alert before we get into it. If you want to watch this movie and you haven't, you should and come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Ramsey, you mentioned this is loosely inspired by the novel Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. Mm-hmm. Our setting is in mid 30s yeah. <laughs> in it's a strike against it <laughs> period pieces oh, come on. not a fan <laughs> anything that happened before the 50s unless it's labor history related i don't care about it <laughs> i don't give a shit they're dead well, oh my god so he specifically chose the 30s for a few reasons so this is in Korea. The director, most of the cast is Korean. And in the 30s, that was the Japanese colonial era of Korea. So it was ran by Japan at the time. So at this point in time, they had a very distinct class system in Korea and also were just starting to westernize a bit. And that's when mental hospitals also became a thing there. So those two things were to Park Chan-wook critical to tell this story and that period of time is the time when those things existed in korea so that's why it's set in the 30s when was the book written do you know the book is set in the 19th century so it's set in the 1800s in london actually oh really Mm. yeah so this is just a loose uh it's a loosely inspired by so it's not even really like an adaptation (laughs) i think there are there are many differences that's actually extremely interesting wow i'd had no idea (laughs) i kind of figured that was the case but i didn't i didn't really look into it or know it because it's not like the book it doesn't seem like it's very heavily credited so you kind of assume that it's just like a inspired by sort of thing yeah and they actually did send the script to the book author and just from there's a woman right the book is written by women yes it is and uh just from uh what i read from her response seemed like her reaction was this is way more fucked up than my book <laughs> and uh, <laughs> i would just call it i would just call it inspired by please don't <laughs> say that this is what my book is like kind Gosh, of thing that's great <laughs> <It's amazing. Hell> yeah. <laughs> you kind of get it i mean you get it <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> I mean, Park Chan-wook definitely has a style and like a tone that he goes for in his stuff. And it comes yeah. through in this movie, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. But also should say that this film was co-written by a woman. So just oh. for the record, there is a co-writer and it is a woman. <laughs> also, <laughs> another note on the time period. I think, so I had not seen this movie before. Kali, had you seen it? No. Okay, so we I had know. not seen. Nope. And... 
I had I'd known about this movie loosely. Well, I knew that it existed and what it was called and that it was a lesbian's time piece story. And yeah, I just thought this was going to be like, I didn't even know Park Chan-wook did it when I, you know, before. I thought this was going to be like another like portrait of a lady on fire or like, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. One of those uh, hot romance in the 1800s, the only time lesbians were ever alive. Uh, yep. <laughs> type <Bingo>. things. <laughs> Boy, was I surprised. (laughs) 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 Pleasantly surprised. Actually thrilled, even. Yeah, it's a crazy, I mean, it's a crazy movie. It is, I love the period element of it. Like I, absolutely, I love, especially in Korea, just like being able to see, you know, I think honestly, like I was saying, like art house stuff and like a lot of foreign stuff, because it does, especially, you know, it just transports you. I mean, it's a totally different mm-hmm. world. It's cool, really cool, I think. I, I obviously knew that the time period was involving the uh, the Japanese occupation, but I didn't know much about mm-hmm. it itself, which yeah, honestly, yeah, like, I mean, there's a lot of elements that are really wild that you see in this movie, but there's like sort of this underlying, like almost like metaphorical aspect that kind of deals in the, uh, I mean, there was a, like, there was a, a huge effort on the Japanese to like erase the Korean col- culture. Yeah. I mean, it's most cases, yeah. Colonialism, yeah. but this, this aspect mm-hmm. of erasing culture and, you know, you even find in the movie where, you know, they're changing the colors of subtitles to distinguish when they're speaking Japanese and Korean, which makes sense from mm-hmm. a logistic viewpoint, but also almost has this other aspect to it. And Japanese culture was so dominant. I I mean, the Japanese at that time had such a dominant culture. Totally, because mm-hmm. um, if I remember right, it was uh, uh, Haidako's uh, uncle, the insane squid mouth dude, uh. is Korean, correct? And he's like, you know, he's he's Korean, but he's like obsessed with the Japanese mm-hmm. uh, mindset. Yeah. I think they call like him culture. a Japanophile. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's fascinating, yeah. Yeah, most people in this film are trying to be more Japanese or like there's sort of a, the more Japanese you act is the more like regal you are somehow, you know, or or upper class you are. Absolutely. Which is ironic as the film goes on, you see, it's got a very (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He goes upside down. (laughs) I thought about that, which... I don't think I, I, it's been so long since I saw it before. I didn't really remember much of my thoughts about it, but like it does vaguely, you know, it's hard to articulate without really sitting and thinking about it, but with the whole occupation aspect and so much of like the fact that she's almost like a prisoner in this house in the story, it kind of all is connected in a way to that cultural thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So this movie is told in three parts. The first part is predominantly told from the viewpoint of the titular handmaiden herself. Suki. <laughs> so I will say I am not good with names. So <laughs> when names get in here, I'm lost. So my notes have the four main characters as handmaiden, lady. That's a, that's a capital L lady, not just like some lady. A capital L lady. Uh, the count. And the uncle, okh <laughs> for simplicity's sake. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's H- Hideko, right? Is the name the lady. of the lady? Yeah, the... yeah. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's her name. Yeah. I tell you I'm what. I'm not good with names. <laughs> I tried to keep track of names in this movie, and it, I was worse off for it. Yeah. Uh, well, also like the handmaiden archetypes. 
The Handmaiden gives like a pseudonym for parts Su- of the movie. Suki equals Okju equals Tamako. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so like, who knows? I remember Suki just it's because true. that is the girl from True Blood. Oh, so. hell yeah. Suki? <laughs> Suki Stackhouse. <laughs> Man, my dad loves Boom. True Blood. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> You're saying the actor is in True Are Blood? Are you serious? That's it. the character's name. We got a dad loving True, a True Blood loving my dad? My mom gives him shit all the time for it. <laughs> that's amazing some people love that that's outstanding it's great. i never watched <laughs> i don't think wow. he likes it as much as my mom like almost like weirdly wants him to because she just like loves giving him shit about it <laughs> but course. he does like it yeah he has definitely watched all of it <laughs> that rules he like kind of liked it and then your mom roasted him for it that's so funny <laughs> that's amazing she just yeah, makes fun rocks. of all the the sexy vampires and the, uh, you know, she loves that. Yeah. <laughs> she loves giving him shit. <laughs> oh, my God. There are points of the show that are so sex heavy. But That rules. <laughs> I'm just picturing, I'm not going to, I don't want to assume, but like like a 65-year-old guy just You're like, picturing Sean's dad watching people have sex is what you're about yeah, to say. Yeah, I am. <laughs> you know what? I'm imagining it. I think it's yeah. great. Good for him. I mean, I'm thinking about it now, oh too. I don't know how I feel about that. But... I'm so sorry, Sean. <laughs> it's okay. I'll be fine. <laughs> okay. And we have one sentence into the plot. <laughs> sorry, True Blood it takes precedence. <laughs> okay. So this handmaiden, who is uh, a normal girl at first, or a criminal, some would say, is on her way to become a handmaiden at this mansion because... So she's a crime... Not a crime boss. She's a crime doer. <laughs> well, don't, we don't need to stigmatize her, all right? She's a crime boss. She's getting boss. by. She's getting by. You know? She's doing what she needs to do. The honorable thief. This podcast is pro-crime. <laughs> there you go. She's working on selling abandoned babies to Japan. Oh, yeah. Look. When, <laughs> when a crime guy comes in with a scheme he wants her to partake in, and the scheme is for her to become a handmaiden for this rich-ass woman and make the woman fall in love with him so that he can marry the woman and then declare her insane and take all her money. <laughs> Which is wild. Right? <laughs> Easy as pie. Yeah. Also, I really like crime guy. I think we could just lose the count archetype and just call him crime guy. <laughs> Either or, interchangeable. Yeah. This is a trope in like Korean cinema. It seems like it was. There was that. Mo- what was that movie? Uh, a couple years ago, so good. Uh, the the South Korean film. Um, but it's like about. It's about like the woman who like goes in. Parasite. Oh, parasite. Parasite. Yeah. Parasite. Was, was it really parasite? Yeah, <laughs> Parasite, exactly. No, Hell but yeah. that is, it's the same trope. It's the exact same trope. It's like a, like a, oh, it's yeah. a little different, but I, it's like I she like embeds well. herself yeah. in with like the family, uh, okay. the upper class, you know? Yeah. It is very similar to Parasite for, for a bit. It's different for sure, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that did not occur to me, the comparison, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. What happened? So the handmaiden goes over to the lady's house and is now her handmaiden. They get things done so easily. I just, mm-hmm. I want to know this yeah. in every movie with crime. They yeah. seem to do it so easily. <laughs> How how do they just know someone? How do they just know how to, oh, we got you, we just got you the job. <laughs> What? <laughs> well, he was already. Well, don't spoil. We don't. Not to that. spoil, but he was involved with the family. Let's say, which we'll oh talk about God. later. <laughs> that's one, yeah, that's the good way to put it. <laughs> he was previously involved with the family. I'm already exhausted. So he had a foot in the door. Let's say. 
<laughs> it probably, <laughs> I don't know. It seems like it was easier to do crime before like oh 1960. My God. That's, That's yeah. the only thing that I pine for about the olden days. <laughs> oh my God. You get away with anything. You could just say you're someone else. And there's nothing they can do to prove differently. <laughs> you can put a hat on and pretend you're a man instead. <laughs> yes, it's so easy. Don't forget the fake mustache. Oh, my God. Yeah. People were just more trusting. I mean, <laughs> I would have had it made. It better times. What can I say? More trusting and the technology was worse. <laughs> yeah, so the technology that... <laughs> was so much worse that, like, you couldn't even be anxious about if someone was going to hoodwink you, there was almost nothing you could do about it. You so just, just get hoodwinked. <laughs> yeah, you just accept it as a fact yeah. of life. Yeah. And I'd be doing the hoodwinking. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I think he'd be pretty good at it. Kali does his share of crime. I know. Sure. Well, yes, I love crime. I am pro-crime. <laughs> I try to commit a crime every day <laughs> at my doctor's request. It's impressive, actually. <laughs> it's, you know what? Easier than you think. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> oh no do we have a cop on the pod <laughs> Renzi you better confess to a crime before we start thinking you're a cop yeah <laughs> we got one of these no crime guys over here huh <laughs> seems sus god I, there's so much evidence against me on this podcast already <laughs> <laughs> okay Kali's joined witness protection <laughs> oh my god um, all right, so one of the first things that happens after this new handmaiden arrives is the bath scene. Uh, I yes. feel like it has to be discussed. <sighs> wow. One of the horniest non-sexual things I've ever seen. The <laughs> <laughs> way they all do those lollipops is just oh. disturbing. It's so sick to watch. It's like... <laughs> It is really sexual, but it's also like, it's just not right. It's really unsettling. And then the uncle does it too. <laughs> no. with those like, whatever they are, I don't, you don't know what they are, but you're like, God, that's gross. <laughs> I, were, loll- were lollies big in the 30s? I hope so. They must have been. But what is in, like, what lollipop do you know that just makes your mouth go black? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's weird. They probably like <laughs> dyed it because it was like sugar <laughs> and what? Sugar, water. And they were like. Okay, what do we have that's colorful? They probably dyed it with dyes that are illegal now. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely definitely an aesthetic choice, let's say. (laughs) But then there's like the squid ink later, so does that have something to do with it? The squid ink, the squid ink. I was going to say, there might be squid ink lollipops. That's what it is. And that's like a Japanese thing, right? I guess it is, yeah. That's so fucked up. I didn't even even think about that. Hey, one of the things in this scene that was supposed to be quote-unquote sexy made me, quote-unquote, uh, uncomfortable. The thimble? Yes! I've been to the dent- mm-hmm. I have been to the dentist, like, six times this fucking okay, year. Okay, brag. Oh, my God. Dental tell insurance, you brag. No! I- Oh, God. I- I've spent well over- I'm sorry, my mic- my levels are getting super high. My- I've spent well over- on dental care this year. Also, should say, between the three guests uh, today, three including my co-host, perfect teeth all around. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the world's most perfect teeth. (laughs) I I tell you what, if I feel anything against my little, and I don't have sensitive teeth, I don't need the sensitive (laughs) toothpaste, all right? I got tough boys. But if someone's gonna scraped my tooth or tried to file Mm -hmm. it, I'm sorry. I'm screaming. I'm hollering. I'm in pain. Your teeth have nerves in them. And she's sitting there like, oh, yeah, we are horny for each other. 
This is a horny thing you are doing. Is that something that people did back then was just like file teeth down with a thimble? Like I, that just seems She crazy. said her tooth was so sharp it was cutting her. <laughs> yeah. What's going I, on with that the shit tooth? ever happened to no, you? No, I mean, that's where I'm saying this is one of these things that's just totally contrived in the weirdest way possible. I mean, that is just a weird thing. The whole scene is weird. It's finding like this weird motivation for something that is yeah. just, like pulling something so <laughs> Just obtuse out. Picturing a storyboard, and it's just like one panel is them in the bathtub, and the next panel is uh, the maiden with her finger in her mouth. And he's like, how do I get this to happen? How do I get from point A to point B? I feel like the actors here, they do a really good job. I mean, they just... The, the way that their personalities are like they, they play both the types you know it's like an archetype sort of thing and they both play it so totally. well that 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 yeah, you're standing, able to yeah. like really like I think that the, the sexual stuff in it I mean is so ludicrous at points that it's I mean you have to assume that that is the point some, somewhat because it's like totally ludicrous but they do a pretty good job of being staying in it I think the actors do a really oh, good job Oh absolutely sure. and it even like doesn't it zoom in on like the handmaiden's like upper lip sweating yeah, during I think this so. too <laughs> There is so much goddamn trembling in this movie there is quivering <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Well I guess honestly even to like Ramsey's point um and not to like get too ahead of ourselves but like well I guess every female identifying character is basically playing do two different parts to a degree i guess you know and it's like mm-hmm. them like sort yeah. of like yeah, holding on sure. to their parts within these like kind of insane places i mean do they really hold on to it so well in like all these different scenarios you know yeah definitely oh, yeah this movie's so good yeah it's good <laughs> so we meet the uncle the uncle wants to marry the lady to keep the money in the family which is disgusting she's rich yeah Yeah. oh yeah did we not say the lady and the uncle uh they live in this gigantic mansion they are extremely rich like one of the richest people anywhere i think Mm -hmm. (laughs) she particularly right has like inherited a bunch of money that's like to her name Mm -hmm. it kind of seems like it's framing like the uncle doesn't quite have complete access to it yeah and he has a gold mine or something so he wants to marry her to also have access to her money and keep it in the Greedy family. motherfuckers. That's quite weird. <laughs> and that's just the tip of the damn iceberg on this man's <laughs> weirdness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. So we know that he is a book collector as well of, like, extremely rare books. And we don't know much about the books for a little while. Just that he has them. And that he makes the lady read them with him. But we don't know anything about that, really, besides that for a while. Uh, Except one time that the handmaiden tries to go to the library. There's a snake on the ground, but it's not real, but she thinks it's real for a second. Yeah, totally. I thought it was real until... They yeah, break I thought it. it was real until late in the movie. When they yeah. break exactly. it, yeah. Yeah, I think I did too. I thought that was so badass. Maybe that's part of like later we find out that she was specifically hired for being kind of a dummy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, right? maybe that's part of like she's just kind of dumb and thought it was real. It seems like we're made yeah. to think that it's real. Because the first part is told through her perspective. Through her, through her perspective, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so he's a sick weirdo, and he also, <laughs> several times throughout the movie, we see a man carrying him and sitting in a chair on his back while he reads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That dude's quads. I want to see him. <laughs> that, I didn't, Goals. they never bring that yeah. back, really. They do it twice in the movie that I noticed. It's, yeah. yeah. 
But they don't really, it's not really like addressed. It just kind of happens. Never explained. Then, <laughs> no. It's like he's so, he's so rich oh, that he God. hires a guy to carry him around on his back. <laughs> like, I'm sure that shit must have been real, but. The different kind of cash. Yeah, were either of them comfortable? <laughs> That's a balancing act. Yeah. Because it's just a regular chair. Wouldn't the power care. move more than it's not about comfort really yeah it's more, definitely more about power so yeah so the whole thing was supposed to be for the handmaiden to make the lady fall in love with the count but of course they start falling in love with each other and next important thing that happens is the first sex scene yeah Yes. Which they come back to. It's kind of like all these scenes in the first act, they sort of revisit through another lens, which I think is a really cool oh, it's way so of cool. storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you thought it's weird that a man wrote some lesbian sex. <laughs> I mean, so, okay, I'm not saying it's weird that he wrote lesbian sex. I just think that, I mean, any scene where there's this level of, of graphic sexuality, I think mm-hmm. you have to at least ask the question of like, what's the purpose and you know where is it coming yeah. from and is it exploitative you know right yeah so there definitely can be downsides to people uh, let's say straight men writing lesbian sex scenes but this director you know he wrote with a woman and he also during the script writing stage consulted one of his best friends who is a queer woman for advice on you know all that (laughs) the sensibilities of queer women and you know what happens what would be realistic etc and also for the sex scenes he actually went to extraordinarily great lengths to ensure the privacy and comfort of the actresses so the only person in the room with them was a female one single female crew member holding a boom and all the other crew members were asked to leave the set oh wow all the male yeah. crew members had the day off, and the scenes were filmed with a remote-controlled camera. No way. That's wild. So huh. he oh. really went to great lengths to make sure that these two women were as comfortable as possible and to get it done as quickly and easily as possible so that they didn't have to be uncomfortable. That's very cool. That's crazy because Hell the yeah. scenes are so extensive. They are. That it's hard to imagine a way that it could even be done quickly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're very yeah. extensive. I will say too, honestly, like as like intense as the sex scenes are, like in a weird way, it doesn't. They don't really feel super like out of place because of the absurdity of the like the the absurdity of the rest mm-hmm. of the movie actually makes it mm-hmm. fit in in a very strange and like cohesive way. I think, which is kind of wild to mm-hmm. me <laughs> but they made they made sense yeah, yeah and i thought sure. the way that they introduced the first sex scene like how they come to be having sex or whatever i thought that that mm-hmm. was pretty smart mm-hmm. it was very cute really it was cute it was yeah. sweet it fit in well i think absolutely yeah. yeah yeah i mean no i i don't think that it's I don't think it's out of place. Lindsay I just, hated it. And... I didn't. No, no, I don't. No, 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 no. I get I, it. I'm just saying that. I, I... I just think you got to ask those questions. And especially like. No, sure. It, I mean, the idea in cinema, the male gaze, quote unquote, right? Sure. I mean, that's like the most classic like film theory thing. I mean, it's not a new idea, right? Yeah. So I tell you what, I am pretty much in that boat with you too, because there are what cumulatively probably like, oh my God, 15, 20 minutes of sex Easily. scenes. Yeah. I don't think that it's, oh my God. I don't think there's that 
I don't think it's that long. It feels 15, like 15 minutes. Maybe it feels 11, like okay, it. I would say minutes. it's probably like four minutes, but okay. <laughs> well, and honestly, Look. I was using it as a point of reference because I know, I mean, it's it's also like it did win Palm d'Or mm-hmm. and not to get us off this film on, onto another one. And I don't know if any of you have seen it, but blue is the warmest color, same thing. But I think there's actually a lot of controversy around that because it was, you know, sort of done in a way that no one really felt comfortable with. So it's worth at least... You know, I'm not artistically. What I know about Blue is the Warmest Color. So I haven't watched it, but I've heard a lot of discourse about it just because I'm queer and that's what we talk about. Um, And Mm -hmm. what I know about it is that, yeah, what you said, like it was done in an uncomfortable way, but also that whatever happens is just not realistic. I know there's like some kind of spitting in each other's mouths thing that happens. Oh, wow. oh I, yeah, it's been a while since I saw it, but I've never it seen it. It is a good it, movie. Is that, that. <laughs> because people talk about it so much? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, it's it is. I mean, like on one hand, it's a really great movie, and then there's also this stuff where you're like, ah, I just, I mean, I don't know about this, you know. But but in this movie, it's it's. I didn't feel that way. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, I think this movie actually works really well. I'm also generally happy yeah. to see. First of all, a lesbian sex scene at all. Yeah. But secondly, sure. one that's done right and realistically. Just like we've talked about it on pod a lot, but like um, so often when there is like a lesbian story, if they go to have sex, most of the time it's like, let's get into bed. Okay. Lights off. Lights back on. Oh, haha. Now we're like naked under the covers <laughs> and it's over. Smoke. We're smoking cigs or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, uh, you know, you don't see anything at all or yeah. it's like completely weird, like not what sex is like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I found it to be cool that they went for it and did it yeah. well. They tried all sorts of stuff yeah. out. I mean, too. The representation, I guess, if nothing yeah. else. Right. I mean, it's, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. All right, so now that we've talked about sex for 12 minutes. Let's keep it going. (laughs) Well, now we get to the nasty parts. Every day, the Count is spending time with the lady because he's trying to get her to fall in love with him, right? So they'll get married. And he is being very pushy and nasty towards the lady, which was a little difficult to watch, I think. Um, There's one scene after such a scene that him and the handmaiden go off and have like a private combo and he makes her grab his weenie. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's basically like, I'm so horny and you're cock blocking me. (laughs) (laughs) He considers himself a bit of a rake, but he's a huge asshole. And there's no real redeeming qualities. He's the villain, it feels like, as much as the other dude. The men are the villains, for sure. Yeah. And actually, in the book, he was a gay man. His character was a gay man. His only interest in the lady was, yeah, just just monetary. Uh. When she pushes away from taking her hand or whatever, that scene was improvised. She's hilarious, Suki. I mean, whoever plays her, yeah. And this is her this is her film debut as an actress. Wow! Oh shit! Which is yeah, crazy because she kills it in this film. Yeah. Okay, so after all that, the uncle leaves for a trip, and while he's gone, the lady and the count leave in the night (laughs) to go get married. The plan was for them to get married, and then the handmaiden and him would get the lady committed to a mental hospital so that he could take her money and run, right? But instead, they plot twist on her and commit the handmaiden instead. Did any of you see that coming? I did not. No. No. 
First jaw drop. I was like, this cold is. as ice. I saw the movie five years ago. I didn't remember, yeah. and I was surprised. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Because you're so ready. Like they they build it up so long too. Because it's like, what well, he's gone for like a week or something. Oh my god. Yeah. And every day she's like, "Come on, let's do this. Like, let's get her committed. Come on, you know." So they just like keep building and building, and you're like, "Okay, we're at the mental hospital. Finally, she's so gonna go much in." Building. Yeah. They're going to run off. It's going to be great. And then, yeah, they totally yeah. plot twist you. Yeah, they totally take you by surprise. And the, their relationship of the two women is really right. heavily you know, explored. So they're very close to each other. Mm-hmm. So, But the conflict you see is like with Suki is that she's like, oh, you know, secretly trying to basically rob this lady and feeling so conflicted. Mm-hmm. And it puts the whole new perspective on it when they lock her up. And, you know, it's like, oh, she really got played and then we see how much she got played basically then that's and that's like just the magic of this movie is like the selective editing that sort of tells these different stories because it's all just like leaving the right bits out just to tell the Mm -hmm. right story it's not even like it's like adding anything to the game it's just like taking the right bits out right and spending each part of the movie just telling one person's perspective Gosh, yeah, it, it made the story so yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, I I love that kind of storytelling because it really it really forces you to connect with the motivations, right? Like mm-hmm. of the people, but then it's that's just mm-hmm. like life is complex in that way where we all have different motivations, so you got to see things obviously differently. And for a movie to be able to simultaneously give you all sides of it or multiple sides of it is. That's just awesome storytelling, I think. Hell yeah. And kind of on that note almost, it's like what actually it told in basically a normal linear way would have actually been like a very simple story is like given all this mm-hmm. like complexity basically because of the way that it's sort of mixed around. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The storytelling in this movie is just chef's kiss genius level, Bonkers. I think. Yeah. yeah. It's great. So part two is told from the lady's perspective now. And we start part two with a little bit of Lady's backstory. We see her as a little girl, basically getting whooped by her uncle and the maid that lives in the house. Everyone just being mean and violent towards her. And her aunt, right? Her aunt. She's with her aunt when she grows up. I think so, yeah, because her aunt's pretty nice, right? Her aunt's one that's like teach her how to read and whatnot. Her aunt's like the first victim. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Her aunt's nice, but the maid and her uncle are very mean and abusive. Right. And because of that, she starts to get a little mean, maybe. <laughs> she slaps yeah, the maids. <laughs> I'd, I'd get pretty mad. Yep. It's fucked up what they do. I mean, to, to all of them. Now. You know, one mm-hmm. question I actually had, because there's like that one part where the uncle's like hitting her hand with the beads. Is that the same beads that they use for the Jade Gate later? <laughs> the notorious Jade Gate? The Jade the Jade <laughs> Oh my I, God. I think it is. I was like, I couldn't um, tell for sure, but I was like, damn, is that like, yeah. I thought it was, <laughs> but I don't, I could be wrong, but. And what, they have those beads early. No, they were earlier yeah. in the movie too. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. in her drawer, right? Yeah. She, that's like one of the early discoveries. It's a very important item throughout. Colin and Renzi, what do y'all think? Same beads? I mean. I thought so. Same yeah. or different. It really makes no difference. I mean, but yeah, probably the same. Yeah. So what we find <laughs> out is that the books that the old man collects are old man pervert books <laughs> um, with like pornographic stories that are like black market type books, it seems I like. So. And they're Japanese. Yeah, and they're Japanese. Yeah. So what he's been doing to both her and her aunt while her aunt was alive was making them read these terrible pornographic 
books all day long and then at times for groups of businessmans, horny businessmans. So doing like these private readings that they are not consenting to and they're pretty torturous for these two women. Yeah, it seems very traumatizing. There's even a, an aspect of like just like staging and acting out Ugh. some of these aspects of the readings too, which is that much more extreme. Yeah. I did think it was really interesting in those scenes when they're reading to the men, how he chose to portray men being violent towards women without having to show violent acts necessarily. If that Mm. makes sense, like it almost feels like a rape violation. Yeah, Yeah. A rape or a violation, but they're just, they're sitting across Mm. the room. Nobody's touching anybody. And he didn't have to show that to get that feeling across. Yeah, it is weird. And it's interesting because at the same time, like, even the stories themselves are kind of, like, weirdly, opaquely grotesque. But they're not even, like, really deeply, like, specific. It's just just Mm -hmm. gross. Mm -hmm. It's just really weird and kind of metaphorical, weird, like, (laughs) porno writing, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just thought that was, like, a really cool choice and creative to not... To want to depict that violence from men onto women without having to show yeah, a rape. Yeah. <laughs> just just yeah. to communicate the yeah. same feeling. That was really interesting how they did that. Yeah. And the aunt hangs herself, quote unquote hangs herself. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all very disturbing. I mean, that, that whole sequence in the second uh, act is yeah. just disturbing. Very disturbing, but also captivating. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. No, I, mean, totally <laughs> I almost said thrilling and that felt wrong. <laughs> Captivating. <laughs> well, it explains so much. That's You know that something, I think it's like in the first act, you know that something is so wrong. But you but don't know really what. hinted at. Yeah. yeah, it's really hinted at. And then they're very explicit in this sort of second act. And it makes, it, it reveals so much, you know, from the beginning by understanding it more. And that's just, like I said, I mean, I think that's just where the storytelling shines. I don't know if it was just me, but like, anytime that they were dealing with the whole antanging herself from the, I think it was a cherry blossom tree, I kept on, like, I mean, Mm -hmm. my head just kept on going to like there being this like supernatural element that like just basically never happened. I kept on thinking it was going to come and it just sort of like never really happened, which was totally fine. I don't know. Maybe that's just like where my head goes when I'm watching movies. The <laughs> octopus and the, the it's this it's this very weird visual stuff that feels yeah. out of place. I mean, like that octopus at the end is oh, like the icing God, on the cake yeah. in that way. It's like it's not really supernatural, oh but it's just it's just wrong. Yeah, but it's like totally. perfect. It's really weird. Well, I think so at the very beginning, when the handmaiden first arrives to the house, the lady screams, alleging that she had a nightmare about her aunt who hanged herself in the tree and saying that her ghost mm-hmm. shows up. So maybe that's where the supernatural stuff starts for you. But then later we find out she faked the nightmare. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're totally right. So then, yeah, the ghost wasn't (laughs) anything. Big time fake out. Yeah, and then what we find out is that the aunt didn't even hang herself. (laughs) So the little girl, the little, little lady, (laughs) little girl lady, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, is reading a book about when people hang themselves and what happens to their bodies. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. We love a young, morbid queen. Um, (laughs) And that she finds out that uh, what happens when you hang yourself is that your tongue sticks out and you shit yourself, basically. But she goes to her uncle and is like, hey, uncle, this book says your tongue hangs out and you shit yourself, but 
aunt's tongue was inside her mouth and her buns were dry. So what's the deal here? <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. What did he say? What's his response to that? I don't remember. He says, let me show you what I did to your aunt when I caught her trying to run away and takes her to the basement. But oh. we don't see what's in the basement at that point in time. But it's kind of suggested that it's something bad, probably yeah, torturous. torturous. Yes. We get there eventually. Yeah, We do we get, get there, there eventually, but not at first. <laughs> they leave it mysterious for a yeah. while. So yeah, so this little, this poor little lady, <laughs> this little, this poor little girl lady <laughs> grows up into regular sized lady. So the Count is one of these horny men <laughs> attending the readings. So that's how he's been involved with the family. And he proposes a deal to the lady. So they have a scheme of their own that they will run off together and get married and he will free her basically from her prison here if she splits her fortune with him and she was before that planning on killing herself so he said if you marry me i'll give you this vial of concentrated (laughs) opium (laughs) that is a that is a convoluted uh purchase that's that's the deal Three drops will fuck you up, five will put you to sleep for a day, and the whole vial will kill you. And you get this when you marry me. You know, happy gift. (laughs) The longer the movie went on, the longer I was like, that's a really good deal. It's a great deal. It's just marriage. (laughs) Who cares? That's not a real thing anyway. The the other options were much worse, unfortunately. So it seems like it... uh... A lot of suffering. There's a lot of suffering. Not a a lot of great options in general, but (laughs) definitely the best option that was presented. They hatched this plan for the man to send her a handmaiden that's naive and dumb so that they can get the handmaiden into a mental hospital as the lady and switch her identity and their thereby free her right yes. <laughs> is that explaining it clearly yeah. enough <laughs> this is yeah this is it's very convoluted but yeah. you're getting okay. it all. <laughs> now we're caught up back to where part one starts basically right so he has hatched a scheme with both the handmaiden and the lady against each other sort of <laughs> Crazy shit. (laughs) So we basically, from here forward, or for the rest of part two at least, go back over everything that happened in part one, but with the lady's viewpoint, a little bit extended or things from a different angle and going back through everything. Again, a lot of the dialogue or phrasing from part one is reused or like reintroduced in a different way in part two, which is really I really like that mechanism a lot, honestly. Did either of y'all see Black Bear? No, I don't know if I know about Black Bear. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that is. So we did Black Bear for the pod not too long ago. Um, It's a movie with Aubrey Plaza that I would say I wouldn't recommend it. It's not very good. But (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, it tries to do this as well. (laughs) And I think what Black Bear tried to do, this movie did. 100% the best way because it does the same it uses the same thing where it uses a lot of the same dialogue it's the same it's in two parts and it uses a lot of the same dialogue in part two that was in part one but just kind of switches who's saying it or what context it's being used in and things like that but this movie does it really good I I could see like (laughs) this trope being what it is like it being a very very easy way to like dig yourself into writing something that just feels kind of hacky like it's got to be really hard to pull something like this off and mm-hmm. they, i mean it's so seamless in this. it kind of has a pre-built i mean it's a it's a gimmick at yeah. its heart you mm-hmm. know so it's like so it's like how can you sort of transcend that and i think that 
it does it just because the world is so fascinating. You know, you want mm-hmm. to know what's happening and it does a really good job of revealing it in a way that just, it, it keeps you interested the whole time. Like you're fully engaged in the story. Absolutely. Yeah. And like a lot of the stuff that the lady was saying to the handmaiden in part one, then now we're seeing someone else actually said to her first in part two or something like that. And she's just regurgitating it. So you're kind of it's digging deeper into how she's actually conniving and um, all the ways in which she's conniving, which is very cool. (laughs) She's a lot smarter than she lets on. Yeah. I mean, she plays this, she doesn't, that's the great thing of the actor. She she does such an amazing job playing this, like, sort of very quiet, very soft-spoken, very unassuming. Almost like dissociated. uh, Naive. Yeah, naive, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, naive, but she's anything but naive. She has more, you know, experience with this shit than anybody, because you literally spent her whole life growing up in it. And spent her whole life reading books, so she's smart as hell. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Very smart. So the Count gives her a whole bunch of tips on how exactly to go along with this story that they're building for the Handmaiden, too. So it's so wild. Yeah, you just kind of find out that the whole time they're just running schemes on each other. And uh, I, I I don't know. The way they evolve the romance is, so is cool. real. The romance is real. And we see a little more of the sex scene as well in part mm-hmm. two. <laughs> I mean, much more. It goes all in on a sex scene. It goes full 69. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> it That's dives true. face first. <laughs> I, li- I like the line where I think it's Suki saying something about like, oh my gosh, you're like such a natural at this or something. And <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, though, when it got to the 69... 69- that's when I stopped being horny. <laughs> and I was like, What? Because you were finished? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it felt like I was finished. I was like, We don't need any more of this. We're good. We're good. Ew, we don't uh, need any more sex. It's, it's a lot. We've had enough. I get it. They're, they fucked. I don't know. With a movie this long, I thought it was, you know, it's a three hour movie. Later. Exactly. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I understand. They fucked. You gotta ride out like six to seven positions to make it real, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, they get yeah, all the positions. They do. They cover Good on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> and again. <laughs> Yes. So in the first part, we had seen that maybe one of the first times that the lady is kind of vulnerable with the handmaiden. What does she say? Something like, do you really want me to marry the man, even if I'll be unhappy or something like that? I don't know. She's kind of implying like, Mm -hmm. I'm in love with you instead (laughs) at that time. But the handmaiden is still committed to the I'm going to make you fall in love with the count. And get that money. Conflicted at least. So... Mm -hmm. So in the in the first part, we had seen that happen, and then the lady slap her and throw her out of the room. And then in the second part, we see she's so disappointed that she was going to just go hang herself on the cherry tree and starts trying to, but the handmaiden catches her just as she falls. It's a really weird scene where she's like about to do this horrible thing and then it becomes like a it's like a, a comic scene where she's like holding her by the legs <laughs> mm-hmm. and then she like lets her go and she's like choking it's right. like it's funny but it's like really <laughs> fucking grim yeah which yeah. i think korean cinema yeah it's all about yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much the thing <laughs> that point I think is kind of when it becomes clear that the two of them are finally confessing that they're each having feelings for each other and they confess their trickery plans too, um, and decide to team up Yeah, and they destroy the library 
as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Going aisle to aisle. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like when that happened, I was like, wait, are we in the past? or Because that's sort of, I think, where the storylines kind of converge. Because mm-hmm. I was really confused yeah, about yeah. what was like where it was at chronologically at that point. Mm-hmm. They destroyed the library together first before yeah. they run away. Um, before she goes to like the, the, the madhouse. Right. Because in the first part, it had shown them like running across the field with their suitcases and getting into the boat and whatnot before they're going to Japan or wherever they go to do the marriage, to do yada yada. Yeah. So in part two, it shows them destroy the library and then get the suitcases and run across the field and get into the boat. So it is after she's left the asylum, though, right? No. Okay. Part three starts with her being in the asylum, having right. the fire. It's like if they destroy oh, okay, all the okay. books, like what isn't the uncle gonna go? I think eat that's shit the time where the happens? uncle's out of town because he like leaves town for like that yeah. week or two or something. And I think that's when oh he's in. right, right, okay, okay, okay. I didn't catch this. This this is good. This <laughs> is making a lot more sense to me. Yeah. So <laughs> in the in the first part, they talk about the uncle was gone for a week, and that's why they ran away at that specific moment to get married right, because right, 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 he right. wanted to marry her. So he would never have exactly. allowed her to marry another man. So they wait till he's out of town to run away and get married. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So then at the end of part two, we're back at her getting committed into the mental hospital. Then it's like she was in on it. She was in on being committed to the hospital. So the way she played it was she's just a great <sighs> actress, right? In part one. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. yeah. So Nailed this- it. <laughs> All right. So part three, we're now... Uh, into a new story. Well, not a new story, but I just mean like because part one and part two were the same story, just from different angles. So part three is the continuation. So the handmaiden's in the hospital and there's a fire, which I think maybe she lit or had something to do with lighting. She had to, right? Sorry, I burped there a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't really fully explained, but I mean, it it seemed like it was either contrived by her or her her troop or something, you know? Yeah, because she does have a hairpin... That she's hidden to help unshackle herself. Right. Um, so she has a scheme to get out of this hospital when she goes in. I mean, she's good at sort of criminal stuff. Good at doing right, bad yeah. Things. She is a Best crime part. doer. She's a crime boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she knows what's up. I also just loved their fire outfits yeah. that they put on. <laughs> oh, I adored it. <laughs> yeah, they have little like capes and helmet things or something like it's the period stuff you got to enjoy. There's like a scene where they, um, oh, it's when they like see each other for the first time after she gets out. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you see all these people walking by and there's like cars and all this kind of stuff and it's outside. And I'm just like, you know, that stuff is just cool to me. I don't know. The, the, I just love that like period. It's so simple. I don't know when I see stuff like that because it's like the whole point of us is to not even notice it and just feel like you're immersed there. But you know that they like literally had to contrive every single element of it, the filmmakers. Right. Because it's none of that shit just exists. Yeah, yeah. I love that. You know, that's just so I cool. mean, all of it, like all of the sets and like the elaborate, her bedroom, like how, just even like how much stuff that she has. What do they open? Like 12 drawers just of gloves? Like oh, <laughs> all of that had to be placed there and like- Man, the furniture. What a job. It's just great. What a house, yeah. really, too. I mean, my God. Yeah, every detail of all that is very cool, very yeah. incredible. <laughs> Even like uh, there's like a little peephole in the oh, door. Yeah. Peephole's cool. Love the people. <laughs> and you just set, you gotta, and you gotta appreciate the having a setting that's so tight. I mean, like the movie mm-hmm. goes a couple places, but it almost all takes place in this house. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's just like a yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Mm hmm. <laughs> okay, so the count 
says that he's falling for the lady a little bit, which the whole deal was that he wasn't, none of this was going to be romantic, right? So he's kind of breaking his own rule. And so to get away from him, she first goes to his room. Were they in the same place or did she like have to come over? That is a good question, actually. I don't know. Because it seemed like she came over, right? I don't know. This is just one of those movies where I just trusted the process. I was like, there's going to be a lot of things that are happening, and I'm not going <laughs> to exactly. totally okay. get every single one of them. <laughs> That's fair. It's the guts of signing and writing. It drops you in the moment that you're supposed to be there, and it doesn't really explain all the shit that happened to mm-hmm. get you there, because like, you don't really need to know it. You, you don't know? need to know. Yeah, sure. So she drugged a drink with the opium she got as a wedding gift. and uh, Great gift. <laughs> the whole I've got a wedding coming up. <laughs> wink, wink. <Puzzle talk>. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole scene is pretty extraordinary. Just the way they like keep you on the edge of your seat. I think because she's trying to drug him, but he won't drink the drink. <laughs> so she uses she uses seduction to try and get him to drink this opium laced drink, but he's getting too horny too fast. So. She <laughs> takes the drink into her mouth and spits it into his like mouth a like a bird and then makes him drink it that way. Birds don't do that with water. Come on. They probably do. <laughs> well, how else is the mama bird going to get the baby birds some water? True. That's probably true. Shit. Okay. <laughs> There's water right. in bot. I'm a thinker. I'm a well, thinker. All right. All right. I'm going to come back next episode with the true facts. <laughs> this was such like an interesting turning point scene, I feel like, for me, because honestly, up until this point, like every single man that you see in this movie is like com- basically like completely overtaken by lust. It's like a lot of not important characters, but like everything you see with them is like they're completely overtaken by lust. And so far, even though the count yeah. is... There's moments where he's kind of like sort of making weird little advances. He hasn't really like fully succumbed. And it's like not until he like fully succumbs to that loss that it like turns upside down on him. Which is almost like to the point where it's almost hard to buy because he's like such a straight yeah, shooter. Yeah. Do you, I, I kind of agree. I kind of agree. But maybe he's just so excited that she said she would do it with him when he always thought she was unattainable. That's a good point. That's good. Yeah, because that's like yeah. one of the first things is like she's the only woman that like would not. Of her, her gaze from right. whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because he does say, like, normally any woman I see, they're basically, like, opening their legs for me left and right, you know? Can't get past yeah. a pair of legs without them opening. Mm-hmm. And she's the only one that he was like, she never was like that, and I could tell she would never be in love mm-hmm. with me. So to finally get the one girl who wouldn't. And he was right. He yeah. was right. His yeah. intuition was right. <laughs> his gaydar was on. <laughs> Should have listened to his instinct. Yeah. He says that line, like, women feel the greatest pleasure when taken by force. And he's, like, trying to be very forceful with her and, like, rip her underwear and whatnot. Meanwhile, I mean, the way it shows her just constantly looking at her watch and, like, the time kind of slowing down Mm -hmm. to where, like, every second is, like, one more second and I could be raped if this man doesn't pass out from opium. It's kind of harrowing. It is harrowing. Yeah. It is harrowing, and it was such great suspense. Yikes. I mean, right in the nick of time, though. It, not, not to give away too many spoilers, but at least, you know, that's it worked out. <laughs> it's not a spoiler. We're literally there. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he doesn't, he doesn't uh, make it, as they say. But when he wakes up from being passed out from opium, some hitman-type dudes are there to collect his ass and take him back to the uncle. While he's in the car... <laughs> He's smoking all those cigs. The man, my man, loves to smoke a cig. Yeah, to the point where what, you think he's gonna give one to each one of the guys who's with him. He's like, no, no, these are all like three in his mouth. 
He takes yeah, out like three or four cigs. Yep, puts them all in his mouth Straight at once. <laughs> He's in flavor country. <laughs> if I did that, I'd be past. There's this guy I follow sure. on Instagram that loves doing that. It's pretty outrageous to watch. It's that's a trashy movie. Oh yeah, I mean. it's impressive. In Sean's, a way, but Sean's following sig guys on Instagram. I mean, basically, <laughs> it yeah. can't be that hard. <laughs> You can. It can be right? done. It's just not going to feel great when it's done. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you grew up in Northwest Ohio. You see, sure, I mean, absolutely. You know, people love to do that kind of absurd shit. <laughs> I'm just getting really drunk, you know, driving around the country, and <laughs> me and Colin both grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, <laughs> oh yeah, people smoking two cigs, <laughs> thinking they're that's badass, is our bread and butter. <laughs> it's all the same shit, Ohio, Indiana, yeah, Illinois, for that matter. I mean. What? Yeah, I, w- I don't know. I wouldn't say Chicago is, but when, not, no, 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 not Chicago, but like Illinois, though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Illinois is a big state. You know, there's some, there's sure. some Illinois out there mm-hmm. for sure. So I also loved when he's smoking all those cigs, and it pulls out to the wide shot of like the car trailing down the road that you see the smoke <laughs> trailing behind the car as well. <laughs> so foreshadowing, pretty funny. A foreshadowing, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I love that mix of foreshadowing and just a little bit of comic relief. Well, because that's really the next. That's the next scene, right? The mm-hmm. next scene is he's there with the uncle. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been caught. Go ahead, tell tell us what happens in the scene. Well, yeah, so so he's in that car literally, and I think after that we sort of see him, and we're down in the lowest layer in the basement. The, the basement. Oh the, shit! The literal lowest manifestation of the house. Mm-hmm. They're they're down there, and uh, it is a torture machine. That's what we thought, and that's what it is. And he's like chopping off his hand, his fingers uh, one at a time. Yeah, his fingers one at a time, huh. and then he sort of pierces his whole other hand. So, but drill. he's pretty chill about it, honestly. <laughs> the 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 thief guy. Uh, whatever. He's fucked up off all those cigs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's chilling. Right. But well, so then that's his thing is he's, he asked for a cigarette and the dude is like trying to get all of the sort of really, you know, he's like a sick, like freak. And he's trying to get all the details about like having sex with his niece, mm-hmm. which is super fucked up. And he's yeah. like salivating over the idea of it. And the other dude's like, all right, I'll tell you after he's cut off his fingers, mm-hmm. he's like, I'll tell you, but, I need a cigarette first. Like you cut off all my fingers. Yeah. So then he gives him the cigarette, which is blue. Right. And he starts smoking it up. And we sort of realize when he starts smoking, something's up. Because he keeps asking for cigs. I think, doesn't he smoke like three of those blue cigs? Two or three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a couple. Yeah. Two. The whole movie, we see those blue cigs in his little cigarette case. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They look badass. They do look badass. (laughs) That's his uh, cyanide pill, so to speak. Yeah. It's a two for one because, uh, the smoke kills the crazy uncle dude too. So the two shitheads both they pretty much go down uh-huh. in a gruesome yeah. way. And then the snake breaks. We see the yeah. snake break, which is kind of the. But I, I thought it was cool. Obviously, when I was saying the story, I was kind of alluding to it. But it is like it, it's the whole thing being in this one house, and it's like it has these like hidden layers, and it's a very sure. the whole thing's very literary. The whole movie kind of has that I feel like aspect to it, where it's very sort of metaphorical in its structure and stuff. And I thought that you're really in the lion's den at that point, And it's super fucked up down there. You don't yeah. want to be there. I mean, just to like describe the room too, like there are jars full of cut off weenies and vaginas all over the whole room. Yeah, yeah. that's what it is, right? I, I was a little, they like over kind of quickly. It doesn't like. They don't ever zoom in on it or anything. It's just background. Yeah. But like, it's definitely. Yeah. Many, probably hundreds of jars sure. of weenies and vaginas. Yeah. 
And yeah. there's also, yeah, that we kind of talked about earlier, but like the huge tank with the octopus in it too. The octopus, yeah. So what's every, what's he doing down there? Is he chopping stuff off? Uh. <laughs> I thought that was probably two things. Like probably the octopus was used as some sort of torture, like the octopus sucking on you or something. I don't know. But also, well, there's also a painting that's shown yeah. at some point in the movie. It's a, it's an octopus. actual painting of like an octopus with a woman. So maybe that. the octopus porn. Yeah. The tentacle thing is a trope. It's a trope in like Asian culture, I think, especially like in. Yeah. You know. Oh, but you wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> 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 yeah. So one of us knows what it's about. <laughs> no, but I'm saying, but I'm saying that like. Well, it goes back to the ink, like the ink suckers. Sure. That's where you're totally right. And the octopus, which is like almost like whether it has a purpose there or not, it's so just disgusting and huge and overgrown. It's like, it's again, it's that physical manifestation mm-hmm. of this like horrible, sick, evil thing that's like living underneath them all, you know? It's pretty. Sure. Yeah. Pretty smart. Pretty smart. I thought maybe it was also a little nod to Old Boy where. Have y'all seen Old Boy? I have, yeah. Ah, It's been so long. I hardly remember it. It's been a long time. I know. It's it's crazy as hell. But yeah, there's a pretty famous scene in Old Boy where a man eats a live octopus, and the octopus is like, the legs are like slapping all over his face and everything. (laughs) Yep, that's Um, right. Old Boy also, same director. Yeah, maybe was a little- That's a classic too. Yeah, that's a good one. Absolutely. Um, Not streaming anywhere. I tried to rewatch- uh, sad mm. about that. Only the remake is streaming. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a remake. I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, I never watched the remake. I, I, think I have either. Remake. Don't think I'd like to. <laughs> so it's an interesting. He's movie a great either. director. I mean, he's got some other. He's got some other good movies mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I watched a short that he did. Stoker, I saw was on your list. I, that's I've seen that one too. That one's. I haven't seen it it's yet. Pretty pretty weird. It's I don't think good. I've seen that one. The short I watched is called Judgment from 1999. That was also oh, cool. Pretty good. A little older. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> no, we're getting to the end, right? We're almost we are, there. We are I mean, almost so, there. Okay. So, so close. They die, so, right? Yeah, they he die. smokes the, the mercury cigarettes, which he says mercury is most poisonous in its gaseous form, which I don't think is true. And I also well, don't think that it kills people like that, yeah. but it does in this movie. <laughs> Even if it is true, he's sucking it in and then blowing it out. Wouldn't he That's die what first? I was thinking, oh, he dies. Yeah. They both die. Mm-hmm. It's not really explicit. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really doesn't matter. Doesn't add up. Doesn't, yeah, ultimately doesn't matter. What we're happy about is that they both die. Yeah. Bingo. And the girls <laughs> are together. They <laughs> go right. to Shanghai. They get out of the countries. They're off together. And they have like an epic sex scene, really. That's mm-hmm. where it ends. Yeah, the epic sex scene with the vagina bells. The Jade <laughs> Gate. <laughs> and their Jade Gates. <laughs> And yep. happily ever after, they're free from the men. Yeah. And that's roll creds on the on the bells. Uh, on the bells, yeah. <laughs> on the bells. <laughs> oh, man. What a journey it's been. Oh, my God. I saw that they were having one final sex scene, and I was just like, come on. You need another one? <laughs> long one, too. It's not short. It's like, it's like four or five minutes long. Yeah. No, it's like a minute and a half. It's not long. <laughs> but, like, it feel, I, I get it. It feels long. But, like, whew. It it just feels like Dolly was I, wore out. <laughs> I was wore out. I, I can only do it so many times oh in a God, day. Dolly. <laughs> I'm so sorry for my pervert co <laughs> I didn't there were no hogs cranked. I'm a professional <laughs> when watching cinema. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my lord. Um yeah. 
Okay, so we've rolled the creds. I thought even though this movie was like technically, yeah, two and a half hours long, which normally would be a put off for me, I didn't think that it mm-hmm. felt long. No. At all. No, definitely not. It goes quick. I mean, it's an it's kind of an epically long story in the sense that there's a lot that happens, but it moves super quickly. I like, thought so. Disagree. Kali disagrees, but I, you think every movie yeah. is slow. <laughs> okay. I, okay. Sure. <laughs> I kind of like when a movie is like three hours long. That's not really a turnoff to me. I'm usually like, oh, mm-hmm. if this is good, then like I want to be there. You know. This the one just feels like every sort of like tale, so to speak. The three parts were like. It almost felt like episodic to me, you know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it like breaks it up in a very like solid way. In a way that keeps you interested and engaged, I think. And they really use the time. And just doesn't make it feel so overwhelming. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it it has a novelistic quality Mm -hmm. to me, I feel like, you know, it's a Mm -hmm. very much like a, it's just got that kind of storytelling, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So we have to rate this out of five. So what are we thinking? You know, I can you do like de- decimals? You can do halves. Okay, like just mm-hmm. halves. No cor- no quarters. I think I'm gonna <laughs> give this one like for me, it's like a four point five out of five. Honestly, I think I don't yeah. know. I it was a very good movie. I think it's like I'll just leave it at that. Four point five out of five. I enjoyed it very much. I'm saying four out of five. I think the quality of the filmmaking is really good. Mm-hmm. I think it's memorable. I think it's good storytelling. I think there is some stuff about it that maybe it's just. And I don't know, maybe this is good. Maybe it's just, you know, some of it's just a little unsettling, a little gratuitous. They're kind of turning off just a little bit. But overall, I mean, it's definitely worth a watch for sure. Absolutely. Okay, Kali? Great movie. Excellent. I fucking loved the ending. All the twists were outstanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, But sorry, even though apparently it's invalid you, Kayla, like (laughs) this movie dragged for me. It really was like, a lot of times I was like, Okay, yes, I get it. We can, we can move on now. But uh, otherwise, fucking outstanding movie. 3.5 for me. 3.5? Okay. okay. I'm going to go 4.5 as well. I was thrilled yeah. from T to B. I loved the world that they lived in. I thought the actors killed it and already said genius storytelling. It's not often for me that I'm caught off guard by a movie or by a twist. And this movie really twists you several times mm-hmm. even <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah i thought it was so yeah. good 4.5 for me bam Hell the yeah. critics agree critics they agree. loved it mm-hmm. <laughs> safe to say we would all recommend yeah <laughs> now it's time for screen vomit So in this part of the show, we just pop off about whatever else we've been watching lately, movies, shows, whatever. So, Kali, what you been watching? Yeah. Continuing to work through uh, Studio Ghibli for the first time, and I watched uh, 2008's Ponyo, okay. uh, which was delightful, outstanding. Of the, like, six I've seen, it's the one I enjoyed the least, but it's still, that means it's just a four-star movie. Mm-hmm. Like, still great. Love Ponyo. Oh, Ghibli, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just watched a documentary called Harlan County, USA from 1976. Oh, that's on yes. my list. I love that movie. That. I love that movie. This is a must-watch yeah. documentary. Oh this is God. like, if you want to know why I fucking adore unions and worker organizing and finding your power in the workplace, check this movie out. It is a fucking masterpiece. That's Kali's shit. It. 
Five out of five. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Amazing movie. Without and there's a, a companion. I don't know if you saw it, but there, it's called. No. Um, yeah, yeah. So the, the, she won the Academy Award, and she made another documentary, same type of thing about unions. It's about the Hor- Hormel Foods in the late 80s. It's called American Dream. Oh, hell yeah. I'm <laughs> Same thing. It's set in the late 80s, early 90s. Amazing. Uh, Harlan County, USA is better. That movie is that's one of the best documentaries of all time. Yeah. Yes. I America. had me in tears several times. <laughs> I watched Scorsese's 91 feature Cape Fear, which I I love. I love Cape Fear. De Niro doing a southern accent. I'm here all day. <laughs> like this shit was so fun. Plus, of course, I'm a big Simpsons fan and there's a Simpsons episode oh, that rips yeah. it off. Uh, <laughs> it's a yeah. good episode. <laughs> it's an outstanding episode. And then uh, yesterday Lindsay and I Continued with Studio Ghibli by watching uh, the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness documentary about uh, Studio Ghibli and their work on The Wind Rises in 2013 and some other movie that I can't remember the title of. But just outstanding. Miyazaki is... He's just a fucking fascinating character. Like, sometimes you're just like, Jesus, man, calm the fuck down. You're kind of like... An asshole. Kind of an asshole, but then you're just like... (laughs) Yeah, man, but you make really good, like... Price of genius kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, he's just, like, he's fascinating. I highly recommend it. Just a delight. Yeah, that's it. Okay. One of y'all, too? Yeah, so I haven't really been doing quite as much films, although, actually, I did recently watch uh, a Ghibli movie, which made me think of that. Pretty recently, I, I rewatched uh, Princess Mononoke, which is one of my so favorites. Good. I mean, mm. that movie is just amazing. So uh, fucking good. Studio Ghibli, like, the fact that they're all now on the HBO or the... Yep, oh, HBO no Max. Shit. Yeah, yeah, is an absolute treasure trove of whimsical fantasy Japanese animation, anime, yeah. just, like, incredible. Um... I've uh, been rewatching The Sopranos. I'm actually just at the end. Yes! I, yes! Oh my god! Yes! Yes! I've, I've seen The Sopranos. Like I think I've seen it That's like four Colin's or five favorite times. Show. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's like comfort food, honestly, for me. These, I get this, it. This has been a really tough winter. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. And for me, I can just like I, I can. It's kind of bad because I can just like I know it all so well, and I can just like zone on it. So it's just enjoyable for me and relaxing. Yes. In, yeah. In I'm looking so, up at my Polly Walnut sticker right now. <laughs> it's the way I turn my brain off. So like I haven't been. I I got to get back in the game because I do. Like I said, I love watching films. It's been the immersion of trying to get our film done has been the, uh, sure. the thing to do. But like, yeah. Hell yeah. That is. So that's me. Sopranos. I, well, I guess let me. I mean, to speak. Plug that, the I'll Sopranos. Just say I mean, I will plug the Sopranos <laughs> all day long. <laughs> Shout out to the socks. <laughs> <laughs> Not that they need any more accolades because everybody knows about it, but it's 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 comfort yeah. food. Hell yeah. Sean, how about you? Well, I guess somewhat ironically for this episode, I actually did just finish the uh, the Handmaid's Tale for the first time, uh, which was good. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you watched, I watched all, all of, it? of it. I made it through season three, wow. which I know a lot of people did not really like, and I kind of get that, but I thought it was, I mean, I enjoyed it to the end i don't know um but beyond that i think like notably i i saw dark days for the first time like maybe like a couple weeks ago which was really sick and really intense um have you guys seen that no it's good it's like this uh documentary on like um it's like the homeless people live under the uh like in the subway and like midtown and shit shit. wanted on your list yeah it's fucking insane it's so wild yeah that movie was awesome and then i've actually just been kind of i mean i guess to sort of connect with asian cinema in general i've been going through the uh, the lone wolf and cub movies if any of you are familiar <laughs> i am no. not nope 
like it was sort of uh like the era of like samurai movies like sort of in the 80s ish actually I, I forget i forget when the first lone and wolf yeah. came out maybe like late 70s i forget exactly the year but it was like the first brand of like samurai movies that got like overly like gratuitously violent and stuff and it's you know they're they're mm-hmm. fun <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah, when yeah. Would, so far i think i've seen the first i've seen two of them now and i would definitely recommend there's like one oh it's called uh shogun assassin they made is like it's it combines like the whole trilogy and like one movie and kind of condenses it and stuff and that movie rules that one's just like really fun but yeah lone wolf and cub hell yeah hell yeah it's heartfelt what about you Kayla, what you Kayla, got? Kayla, what you got? Now, now I feel like everyone's looking at me. <laughs> okay, so I have a couple things that I picked out. I watched American movie. Oh, Anybody God, seen? I fucking love oh, fuck, that's on my list. so fucking much. I haven't seen that. Oh, man. Kali, what'd you say? It's on my dang list. Okay. I was just looking through my list like, oh, man. You would love it. Uh, you, yeah. You're going to love like it. It's like a documentary, yeah. right? Yeah. It is a documentary from 1999 about... Um, this guy who's a, which is another poor Midwesterner filmmaker. Right, right, right. Making like an indie feature or something. He, well, he spends like years trying to make this short film in order to raise money for a feature that he has also spent years on but ran out of yeah. money. Colvin. <laughs> 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 Incredible. He's, yeah, every, I, I don't know, character, I, it's a documentary, so they're real people, but <laughs> they mm-hmm. feel like characters because they're all so unhinged. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, incredible film. Mike Shank is maybe one of the best, like, documentary characters of all time, honestly. <laughs> yeah, surprised to find out he is still That's alive insane. to this day oh <laughs> um, after some of the stories that he yeah. told. <laughs> have you, uh, very crazy. Have you actually ever <laughs> seen Coven? I, I think it's actually on YouTube. You can, like, watch the short film. It's not on YouTube not, anymore. Oh, um, it was for a time, but now the only way to watch it is on the special features on the DVD oh, of American Movie. And the DVD's out of print, so you have to buy it on eBay, and it's like 30 to $100. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> so COVID's uh, actually pretty sick. Like, I, I actually really enjoyed the short. <laughs> well, I should say... There is a version on YouTube, but it is it's negative and they fucked with all the voices, so they sound like mice. So like if you want to watch oh it negative and with all the voices sounding like mice, you can do that. Could, but could uh, be fun. I tried it for about thirty seconds and it was weird and scary. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, couldn't man. do it. Damn, I think my sister's got a copy of the DVD. I don't know if she knows how much <gasps> it's worth. Um, maybe I'll see if she if you can okay, borrow well, and watch Coven. Yeah, let me borrow if yeah, possible. I'll see what I can do. She lives in St. Louis, but we'll make it. We'll make it happen. Uh, that'd be sick. I gotta check that out. I've heard it's a lot so of good, good things. Oh it's my god, really good, funny, so funny. Yeah, that's great. All right, I got two more. Sean, tell me how he said the other one. Synecdoche, Syn- New York. Synecdoche. Yes. There you go. <laughs> oh, I love Synecdoche, New York. What did you think of it? <laughs> um, obviously, f- perfect movie. I mean, incredible, yeah. just incredible. Oh my um, god, I love it. It's that. also like I've seen that so many times. So. Well, just a little what it's about is Philip Seymour Hoffman is like a playwright who's trying to come up with his next thing, basically. But he spends the rest of his life trying to come up with his next thing. And uh, oh, my God, he was. It's a heartbreaking movie. It's it's absolutely heartbreaking. And especially like it's sort of like 4D experience, like knowing what we know now, (laughs) you know, because like because like he spends so much of the movie just like being depressed and suicidal and everything. And then, you know. 
he's that movie makes dead. me cry. I've seen that movie so many times. <laughs> that movie makes me cry. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just incredible and such a Charlie creative Kaufman story. Charlie Kaufman is a treasure. Mm, and it's yeah, it's just such a creative story and just so good and so cool. So yeah, watch that. Never seen it before. I, it's one of those movies that had been on my list for forever, and I just like mm-hmm. never think of it when I sit down, and I finally finally did it. All right, last one. I watched this movie, Chained for Life, which was also, I was going to recommend to you, Sean. <laughs> oh, really? I don't think I've even heard of that one. It's, it's a deep indie, okay, okay. so it's okay that you haven't heard of it. <laughs> it has Adam Pearson, who was in Under the oh, Skin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It also has Jess Wexler, who's in a bunch of stuff. She's in Death of Dick Long. She's in. sounds really familiar. I don't know. Jess Wexler. She's like... She's been in a lot of stuff. You might know I'm her face. Right um, now. That name sounds really. Oh, it's like Wexler W E I. Oh yeah. What was she? Yeah. In? Oh, she's in Teeth. That's right. Oh yes. Oh yeah, Teeth. That's yeah. <laughs> teeth. She's the Teeth. The Teeth girl. <laughs> I love teeth. Um. So I mainly watched it because of the cinematographer, who I'm a big fan of, uh, Adam J. Minnick, who's also the cinematographer for Relaxer. Oh, cool. He has such a cool style. The camera work in this movie is so creative. So the story is like Jess and Adam play like actors who are working on a movie that like is maybe exploitative of people with disabilities. And so they're working through that yeah. <laughs> in this movie. So it's like a movie about making a movie. But yeah, the way they use the camera in this film is just outstanding. Huh. It's so creative. You don't know what's real sometimes or what's part of the movie. And then there's, yeah, just a lot of commentary on like beauty standards and things oh, like that. Oh, that sounds cool. Is Adam Pearson like pretty prevalent in it? He's or? a main character. Oh, yeah. cool. That sounds awesome, honestly. And you see pipes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we like yeah. that. <laughs> My man loves to be ass naked. (laughs) (laughs) Him and Jess are the stars. Like, they're the two main people. So, yeah, Chained for Life. Oh, cool. That's Uh, kind of on the list. Very good. Um, I just think Adam J. Menick is such an inspirational cameraman, cinematographer, DP, whatever you want to call it. He has such a cool style. Okay, so that's it for that. Now it's time for plugs. So do y'all have plugs? Where can people find you online? Yeah, so I mean, my name's yeah Ramsey Atasi. That's pretty much like you can find me at Ramsey Atasi, Ramsey underscore Atasi. Uh, it's just me. I'm a filmmaker. I got a website, but mostly like check out the film. It's badanimal-film.com, uh, emulsionlab.com. That's, those are the projects that yeah. we kind of work on together. We were plugging them before. And so our film, well, you got a little sneak peek mm-hmm. um, so i'm curious to hear what you think because you obviously know a lot about films but but uh it's it's not out yet it's not gonna probably you probably won't be able to publicly see it in a big way for i'd guess a year but it, we will be popping up at some festivals we're kind of it's all in the dl but we got some stuff happening on that front so there'll be no doubt that there'll be some opportunities to screen it if you follow us sign up for the newsletter um you'll get it in your inbox when those opportunities pop up so if you like films if you like indie films we're indie filmmakers. That's what it is. Um, so there'll be a chance for you to kind of come out and support it and check it out if you're interested. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same zone. Check out Bad Animal. Um, you could see it on. You could see all the updates with. We, well, we have a, a newsletter and a mailing list and whatnot, which you can go on the we website do. for. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, you know, we're doing all this through Emulsion Lab, so check out Emulsion Lab, and yeah, that's the plug. Yeah, it's on. We're on all the things, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, but really Instagram's where we spend most of the time plugging things mm-hmm. for ourselves. So like the big stuff goes out everywhere, but that's where we're. You can find us newsletter too, or just like you know, you can connect with us that way. Is good. Sean is also like a really. He didn't plug himself at all. He should. It's <laughs> Sean Kelly. You can plug. I don't. I don't know the real Sean, whatever it is. But Sean's like a amazing DP freelance. Oh, yeah. guy and we work together a lot but uh sean should plug himself plug yourself instagram yeah. at the real underscore sean kelly which i do need to change one of these days because it is not a great username but that's what it is right now so. <laughs> and uh any longtime normals will remember when we did our episode on never rarely sometimes always our guest on that episode hannah gamble uh-huh. of course has a Absolutely. show choose me an abortion story which uh, I hooked Sean up with. Yeah, it all <laughs> happened because of you. My God. <laughs> so you can Hannah's watch Hannah's right. show. Yeah. Yeah, which has been doing really well, actually. It's gotten into like a decent amount of yeah, festivals yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. And, you know, it's a weird time yeah. to be in festivals, obviously. But Hannah helped us out all over oh, the yeah. film, like in subtle ways, really. Nothing like super big, but it was just like there from the beginning to the end as like a big supporter totally. and advocate uh, for Bad Animal. Yeah, Hannah Racks. <laughs> yeah, I think Hannah showed up in like multiple different parts of the film and also just like lent a hand. She's in, in the film too, in various, yeah, she's like extras in multiple, like yeah. un- unidentifiable extras in some places and then like she she is identifiable yep. in like one yep. scene. Right. I saw her flash by for one and I was like, was that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But yeah. it was so fast. I was like, I think, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> think it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. All that. Check out all their stuff. And then for us, of course, we have to thank Thin Swimmer for our theme song. Speaking of Chicago musicians you can also find us on instagram and everywhere else at screen vomit one word on all the things give us a subscribe on your podcast app if you haven't already uh, of course leave us a rate and review you can send us an email at screen at gmail.com or tweet us with your thoughts on this movie or other movies or suggest a movie Colin? hey if you wanna hear me and another guy talk about labor and all that crap I got another podcast called How to Fire Your Boss. Check that out. It's up on all the- yeah, You don't have to. I took that advice 10 years ago and never looked back. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> we got some freelance boys on the pod. Uh, all right. So next week we will be watching Brigsby Bear with another special guest. So check out that film and hit the next up. And thanks, Sean and Ramsey, for joining Thank us. Thank you for having us. And picking a sick oh, yeah. movie. <laughs> Thank you. This is an awesome movie. I'm, this has been really fun. Thanks for, Hell thanks yeah. for inviting us. Oh, of course. <laughs> all right. And we'll see everybody else next week. Bye-bye. Everybody bye. say bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. That was nice. <laughs>